Welcome to the eSuccess Methods Podcast with Jacob and Aaron, your weekly dose of tips and tricks to achieve excellent performance in your business and career. Join us as we explore deeper into the practical worlds of Lean, Six Sigma, project management, and design thinking. In this episode number 175, we debate the recommendations from an ASQ quality progress article, What Comes After the Low-Hanging Fruit. If you're just tuning in for the first time, find all our back episodes on our podcast table of contents at esuccess-methods.com. If you like this episode, be sure to click the like link in the show notes. It's easy. Just tap our logo, click, and you're done. Tap, click, done. Here we go. Hey, Jacob, how are you? I'm good, Aaron. How are you doing? Jacob, I am doing great. Jacob, I thought we'd go back into my collection of old articles here. And uh, as I'm looking at this one, looks like 2008 from Quality Progress. One of their editorial sections called... 3.4 per million. So this, this is the editorial area. This one's by Douglas Mater, and he asks this real question. What comes after the low-hanging fruit? Hmm. Well, just a quick question before we start. You know, this is from 2008. Do you think this is still relevant today? Well, that is – that I think will be a, a good question as we go through this because some of these things uh, that he is suggesting as uh, novel approaches, mm-hmm. I would have thought were – Pretty common. Table stakes, yeah, okay. pretty common. So, okay. so there, there is that. But um, I think before we go too far into that, what, what do you call low-hanging fruit? Uh, for me, it's the easy things that is very visible in front of people. And in many cases, there might be options or there might be some level of confidence that, yeah, this is something we have to do and this is pretty easy to do, so let's just make it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a just to do it, but it's really close enough to say, you know, we feel confident enough that this is something we can address and we will make a difference to. Right. In my opinion, that's what I consider a low-hanging fruit. What, what is your definition? So my the, my definition is uh, it's it's not as easy as just picking up off the ground. So that's what you call ground fruit, right? Uh, things that you basically yeah. are tripping over and are constantly getting in your way and – Fixing those only requires to do the job you were supposed to be doing anyway and stop making and stop letting this junk get in your way. Ground fruit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Forrest Breifogel calls those watermelons on the ground because they're just so big and a lot of corporations are, are full of it. And the low hanging fruit is supposed to take some more complexity to quote unquote harvest. Um, there, you're not supposed to, it's not supposed to be that easy, but it's supposed to be. Uh, stretch but reasonable so it fits sort of the smart goal approach where it's uh, it's not unattainable but you don't exactly know uh, how to do it so you do have to rely on some tools to reach it got it yeah I mean makes sense so those are sort of basically some textbook answers but what do they what does this all mean in reality for business okay I, I'd say in my experience I seldom Hmm. Well, let me let's go let's go through the let's go through the the life cycle of a six sigma deployment that he goes through here. So basically, you, you bring in a bunch of consultants. They say you need to train up a bunch of green belts, black belts, and champions, and a couple of master black belts, and then you're on a, a couple year mission to create this momentum. You have your champions and your master black belts looking at your strategic vision, trying to select projects. You deploy those out to your black belts. Your black belts go out into the business, and you they're being coached by the master black belts, and then you're coaching the green belts. They're being coached by the black belts. And so you basically have a whole cadre of 
parasites <laughs> going oh, into the... Or, or, you, or, you've, or you've built an ecosystem. Yeah, nanobots, something to yeah. go out and, and, and fix these things. But it's, it is spread out in sort of a network fashion, right? Yeah. Uh, or a, a hierarchy. Um, but after a while, the claim is, and this, this paper claims that within two years, you'll start to notice that the, the financial benefits are equivalent to about a quarter of what they used to be when you first um, got there and that you're pretty much har- have already harvested the low-hanging fruit. And I've heard this term so many times. You know, We've really gotten all the low-hanging fruit. And uh, to me, that's kind of a signal that leadership has not really bought in. So that's where the bias that I'm uh, coming from because usually at the time when people say we've harvested all the low-hanging fruit – and I'm looking around, and I'm still seeing fruit on the ground. I'm thinking, no, we haven't. We haven't even touched it. We've just gotten all the very obvious things mm-hmm. that were bothering you. But if you look just under the surface, you'll see a lot of very other problematic things. So my particular bias is that when people think they're working on the low-hanging fruit, they're actually working on a lot of the ground fruit that uh, is just clean up. Totally. But But I think that's the point, right? I mean – uh, part of it is recognition from whoever your stakeholders are or anybody else to even understand what is what does low hanging fruit mean or what is low hanging fruit mm-hmm. um, and it, you, you know your definition of ground fruit versus low hanging fruit I, mean, I can almost say is because your standards are too high mm. you know what you consider ground fruit is probably because you know those are very obvious to you but it might not be obvious to everyone. And for the others, that might be more of a, you know, yeah, that's kind of, that's right. You, you know, you, you surface, you scratch the surface and, you know, it's almost like I didn't think about it. So it's not necessarily low hanging fruit or it's not ground fruit. I could see that coming in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. So when I think of low hanging fruit, I think of pretty much your typical reduce the rework, reduce the, the defects, mm-hmm. it's say in a manufacturing process and and I guess maybe I'll call low-hanging fruit, you know, getting from, you know, this. I guess this is what I'm calling ground fruit, getting from, say, one sigma to two sigma as a process. Because we've worked a lot of really, really broken processes, and mm-hmm. I'd be I'd be thrilled to have a three sigma process on a lot of these. So I guess in my mind, getting something that is failing 20% of the time, I don't consider that low-hanging fruit. I consider that pretty much neglect, you know, operational neglect for a long, long time. Sure. Uh, And I've worked a lot of processes like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But low-hanging fruit, I guess, yeah, I guess I'm, the metaphor maybe is breaking down in my mind because I see, I see defects of these sorts all the time. Yeah. And, and, but most of them, most of the things that we've solved don't take much for tool usage. They just say, Hey, look, look what we found guys. You guys want to fix this? Yeah, sure. Let's fix it. And all of a sudden, it's fixed. You know, it's just a matter of drawing people's attention to it. I, I, I hesitate to call that low-hanging fruit. Okay. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. So, in this one, is saying, you know, once the low-hanging fruit disappears, um, it, it's saying expand the green be- green belt effort is the first suggestion that they have. Yeah, that's the first suggestion, but that they have. Um, but one of the things they're saying is, what remains are projects that are generally smaller in scope and require only simple tools to be executed to realize certain levels of improvement. As a result, there's a natural tendency for some lean Six Sigma managers to gravitate towards simpler tools and methods to be used. And the problem is here, 
This mentality seems to appeal to some leadership to some leadership teams and managers who simply don't want to build a strong leadership, uh, lean Six Sigma competency in the organization. And the perception seems to be that simple, non-quantitative lean tools are sufficient and that more rigorous statistical tools, traditionally, com- traditionally components of Six Sigma, are not necessary. So does that follow with your logic? Not necessarily. I mean, I mean, you know, this the order here is basically now going into two different things. One is, you know, the management is now losing interest because low-hanging fruit is not visible or not being done. Uh, or, But he's saying at the same time it's because they don't want to encourage the mindset. I think they're two different things. I think they both contribute to each other, but I don't think it's necessarily tied to the low-hanging fruit. You know, and, and how I would think about it is, Yes, uh, management now is not seeing as much returns on the program or as much returns that they are getting by deploying so many people or training so many people and letting them lose on so many things because they were looking for their real motivation for the Six Sigma program was to save costs Mm -hmm. or to do something with revenue. And it wasn't necessarily with the intent of building the right product or doing the right thing. Or competency, right? Or competency. Um, so that, in my opinion, is a different problem. Or that is more motivation behind the program, <laughs> more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the, in this in their case, when the low, when when the revenue or the savings don't get shown as much, uh, they are now losing interest on it. So I, I see that as a different thing. I don't necessarily tie it with yeah, all the low hanging fruit is done, so I'm not going to do anything anymore. Maybe they are, but in my head, they're not. Yeah, and I do think it is related to low-hanging fruit, but I see it as the opposite. It, it, you know, what it says here, what remains are projects that are generally smaller in scope and require only simple tools to be executed to realize certain levels of improvement. To me, if you harvest, that is the definition of low-hanging fruit, simpler tools. The the early stuff, the ground fruit, and the low-hanging fruit, those do require simpler tools. If you harvest those things, it is the more complex tools now that you need and the the payout is bigger, but you have to put a lot more complexity into each each project beyond probably the competency that was built because you really only built the competence, competency for low-hanging fruit. And if it seems like there's nothing else left, it's because you haven't looked up high enough. Yeah, no, no, and I, I agree, right? I mean, that makes total sense. But do you think that that is because of just the reason what he's saying here? Well, his solutions, I think, are the same. Uh, I guess I just disagree with this, you know, what remains are projects that are generally smaller in scope. I think that is completely opposite. What remains are truly transformational projects. Now that you've finally cleaned it up, what remains are truly transformational and strategically based projects, which takes somebody more than a black belt, more than a green belt to uh, tackle. So I and and I think that's probably where I a little bit I might disagree with you. It's not necessarily takes more than a black belt or a green belt, but it's more it takes more time and it takes more resources than what you were used to when you were doing the original set of projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't want to discount the the skills or the knowledge of the team because again the black belt is more the facilitator here. I don't right. expect the black belt to solve the issue. Uh, but yes. Um, I, I, I would agree, yes, the complication of or the complexity just rose a notch or a couple of notches above than what you were using used to before. Mm-hmm. And so the patience or the time allocated or the findings allocated, because a lot of things are unknowns. And when you're actually digging to find what, what you find, 
And so things might be not what everybody expects or not what everybody thinks it's going to be. Yeah, no, I agree. No, I, I, I'll take that one back. Um, but I'd say beyond what you might expect to be doing beyond, yeah, basically beyond the basics of what they were trained for, because most lean six Sigma programs are geared toward what we will call low hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. Yep. So then the other thing that sort of catches me is the, uh, this idea that he says, as a result of losing the low hanging fruit, people will now gravitate toward the more simple lean tools and leave out the more complex six Sigma tools. And, and he says, that's a bad thing because what do you think about that? Is it a good thing or a bad thing to concentrate more on the lean tools and less on the six Sigma tools? I always think it's easier to concentrate on the lean tools because it makes it easier for, for sharing information, for understanding information, the six Sigma tools, and first of all, I don't differentiate a lean tool between a Six Sigma tool. That's the first thing. <laughs> but uh, for me, at the end of the day, it's a whole bunch of tools. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think I've, 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 I've done that so much now that I don't even – like, yeah, I can tell you what the Six Sigma tool is and where lean right. tool specifically is. But in my opinion, there's literally only two or three lean tools, <laughs> which is a value stream map specifically. And uh, actually, that's probably the only thing I would say is a true lean tool. Mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, but yeah, when is something applicable versus the other? That's it's purely defined. I, I leave that to the experts or the people who want to do it all the time. Uh, but yeah, I don't see there any difference in there. Uh, if anything, I would say having that holistic approach of an end-to-end -end, uh, view on your supply chain or you're from the beginning of a supplier still mm -hmm. how it's going to get to your customer. Yeah, that's going to give a much holistic view and that's going to probably help the team unearth or look into things which might have got ignored before. Yeah, so my my perspective on this is he's saying it, leadership's going to want to go more toward the simpler lean tools after all the low hanging fruit is harvested. I'm saying, a, it's not a bad thing to to focus on the simpler tools. As a matter of fact, that's probably what we should have done in the first place. Instead of reaching you know way up in the tree for quote low hanging fruit with these six sigma tools, let's really use these lean tools, which can be taught to almost anybody. Uh, they don't really need a bunch of specialists, uh, and what they do is they contribute to a the development of a culture that is actually necessary for the future transformations that you may want to do. So instead of going toward the Six Sigma deployment route with all those master black belts and everything, start off with some of these more basic tools and harvest the ground fruit and and then realize, oh, we need something more complex to get that low-hanging fruit, let's consider doing a Six Sigma deployment now that we have the culture of continuous improvement. Mm -hmm. So I guess my mind, it, it's it's not bad to gravitate toward the lean tools, but it should have been flipped and done sooner rather than yep. uh, after it seemed to be dying out as it's lost its uh, luster. Totally. You are listening to E6S Methods Podcast, brought to you by E6S Industries. Join us on our website at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success. If you haven't checked it out already, be sure to go to our product page at e6s-methods.com. 
you'll find an assortment of unique templates and tools to help you, practitioner, be more effective in your work. From a SWOT analysis to our most popular cross-training matrix or our proprietary consultant's companion to our action register with automated risk alerts, you'll find these tools useful. If you don't, just ask for a refund. No hassle, no expiration. What makes these templates so special? It's simple. They already exist. They're easy to use and they work. You'll save hours or even days developing and formatting your own templates, all while helping to fund this free podcast. Check it out. All right, so you did mention some potential solutions here. So I'm looking at this page 60. And um, so what are some of the things that he recommends to combat this problem of losing its luster and, and problem projects seeming too small? I mean, I think the first thing he's saying is expand the green belt effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think his point is the more people who are involved uh, or the bigger project can be broken down into smaller ones and then still get the get the concepts in there. I think that's something that they say is uh, he's suggesting, oh, that is a potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? And I think this comes down to, again, probably making it simpler. I think this is his theory. I don't know if that's, uh, I don't know if I would totally agree with that or not. But I think that's one of his suggestions. Mm-hmm. So, so you're talking his, about his, the training itself. You no, know, his point is train more people. So you, you know, you're still going to get the cost because you're doing multiple projects right now, right. and each of them, in their small way, is going to contribute towards keeping the stakeholders or management happy about it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not so sure if I would totally agree, but yeah, it makes sense. Again, this comes down to again, if I'm doing projects just to show dollar savings at the end of the year, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. So. Yeah, and that's true. And the most there's the uh, I guess I guess critics of Six Sigma now, or or realists of Six Sigma now. I guess I don't I don't know how to how to put it. Those who are disappointed in how Six Sigma programs have gone are those who expected it to be a cultural transformation tool, and those and there are others who look at it and say it was never intended to be cultural transformation. It was intended to be cost savings, and that's it. Cost savings, yeah. Right. So it's not. It's not a quality program per se, like Deming. Even though you know we do we do invoke Deming all the time, uh, but the people who were that I've run into who are consultants and say it was never really meant to do that. It was meant to be hardcore cost savings and you know deal with the difficulty later, and not meant to build a culture. And uh, that's not the approach I've taken. I've taken the much softer approach to it because. You know, what good is it if you're not building the culture? Yeah, uh, and that's exactly my point, right? Yeah, so you get the hard savings and then, okay, you're no longer needed. See ya, tata, bye-bye. Right. If that's the mentality you're showing, that's going to show in how your projects are also going to be on, hey, I need to see the hard savings, so who is not going to be on the team starting tomorrow? Right, right. If, if that's truly what you're showing, then the engagement and the people part of it, and I know we've covered this previously also, is, and in this is my stance all the time, is, if your people who are doing this or who are going to be a part of this don't don't trust that they they're going to have it have their jobs later or what they're going to be doing or they're in charge or their goal is now to get rid of other jobs chances are nobody's going to do it right oh absolutely if that's what if that's what it's going to come down to but on the other hand if it is more let's find newer ways on how to get this done better uh, and you know we, if that means you can now do more creative things that you were not allowed to do before that sends a completely different message to people who have to work on things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So there are a couple things I do like about what he says, and that's expanding the training into design for Six Sigma and moving your Six Sigma program into marketing. He says having MBBs and BBs. Uh, oh, wait, no. He says having core competencies in statistical analysis can greatly bolster an organization's ability to define new markets, new market segments, and better position products. I well, you you must work in this role. You guys must leverage statistics an awful lot as far as markets are concerned. Marketing. Uh, you would hope. <laughs> just just say. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I don't mean. I don't mean sure. financial mar- I don't mean financial markets, but as far as statistics of no, I mean, customer in, in, in leads in general, and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. Um, I think our biggest issue was having poor databases and and record keeping on who is who and who is what. So it it was bad. I think you know, there's been a very clear push, especially with modern day marketing on how to get right. this in a much better space. Mm-hmm. Um, because your you know, to your point, your entire sales pipeline or whatever's coming down the way, you need to have very clear idea on who's in it and at what stage they are. And when can you translate, you know, somebody clicking into your website about three times means yeah, he or she's interested. So let's have a conversation with that person. Right. Um, in in that sort of level uh, of engagement, we are collecting that data now. Um, if if you ask me back in the day, we probably were not doing a good job of that. Mm-hmm. So you know, good marketing, uh, good statistics in marketing helps marketers target who they're going to advertise to, which means what TV shows are going to advertise against. Uh, will it be a Super Bowl? Will it be will it be banner? Will it be billboard in certain areas? I mean, those statistics help them determine, get more return on investment for their essentially advertising dollars. So it, it's pretty key. And any any marketing organization who's not leveraging statistics is pretty much just, I don't know, just uh, shotgunning it, really. Mm-hmm. And especially with anything modern, with uh, online, <laughs> online businesses and, and trying to track clicks and turn clicks into purchases and, and things like that. Uh, the use of statistics is just going to increase like yep. crazy. So, so yeah, uh, internal competency in marketing area for Lean and Six Sigma seems like a good idea. Although that's a lot of that is more statistics than we typically teach. I think the different types of statistics than I've typically taught um, in Lean Six Sigma they're they're geared a little bit differently. They're different type different types of regressions. Yeah, and. And you know, and and you know, in the modern world, this is what people are having fun in calling it big data, right? This right. is the whole data analytics and data mining aspect, which is not something we actually teach specifically in Six Sigma courses. Right. Um, we don't teach data mining that well, and I think that is probably something that needs to be added to curriculum in some way or fashion because that is really what the world's coming up to, and that's that's how you're going to get data moving forward. So. You really should know how exactly to leverage that or use that. That that's actually a really excellent point. And uh, there's a difference between getting reports and there mm-hmm. and there's a difference in, in getting reports and getting in mining data. Now, most of my belts have reports of summarized data, and what they lose is the source of errors that come with that data or anything else going on. There's all kinds of junk in the in the reports. Uh, summarized and maybe not necessarily the way they want it. Maybe it didn't include certain fields that they wanted it. Uh, if only they didn't have to rely on some other entity to provide them a summary of the information and they could mine that data themselves. 
mean, that's what data, I think what data scientists, there's a big boom in data scientists that's going mm-hmm. on now. And I think that's uh, about 50% of that job is knowing how to go and get the data. Yep, exactly. So another thing uh, this guy recommends is expanding outside of regular operations into, and into the rest of the business. And this was the part I was saying, you know, you mentioned, oh, this is 2008. Is it still relevant? Uh, this is the part that I was saying, it seems, well, yeah, no, duh. Of course you should do that. Yeah. So maybe that yeah. was novel in 2008 and is uh, maybe we really have matured to that point. I mean, I, I don't think in 2008 also it was novel. I mean, I will say we were not, both of us were not in the company that was known to be a pioneer in the space. And, right. you know, that was around the time when we started saying, let's even start marketing this or selling this. And maybe I'll give credit to our sales manager or the sales leader who had the idea to do that. <laughs> but, you know, let's start making money out of this business and start working with clients to get some business out of this. Yeah, at the same time, I had a hard time getting them to expand into HR, uh, and mm-hmm. I, when I wanted to, I wanted to run some projects in, in HR and I wanted to run some projects on our uh, acquisition processes because I saw all kinds of issues there. But, you know, we but, did dabble in some other did, areas. Yeah, we did do some in finance and accounting and things of that area, mm-hmm. uh, receivables and things of that sort. So, yeah, I mean, there were some areas, probably not to the extreme where we would have liked, but I think, um, you know, even at that point, uh, and maybe he was summarizing what he's seen in this article, which even in 2008, I don't think should have been novel. It's at that point, it should have been common. You know, it's wherever applicable, use it so that it makes right. your organization's life the easiest. So if anybody's wondering where does Lean Six Sigma apply, anywhere there's a process, Lean Six Sigma can apply. And if you think, okay, now where do I have process? You have processes everywhere. <laughs> so mm-hmm. There really is no place that cannot be helped with uh, Lean and Six Sigma, uh, an eye for Lean and Six Sigma continuous improvement. And it's always it's always applicable to any part of the business. It doesn't matter what kind of business you're in. It doesn't matter if it's healthcare. It doesn't matter if it's banking, telecom, IT, or just some government. It's applicable everywhere, and it's hasn't necessarily infiltrated everywhere yet, but it's it's starting to. Especially in, I'm really excited to see what's going on in healthcare, especially with some of the lean movements because I really think that it's going to it's going to really help our healthcare system. I just hope that our healthcare leadership embrace it and let it happen. Mm-hmm. All right. So, quick recap, Jacob. Yeah. So you know, I think the topic was by Doug Mader, uh, specifically on what comes after the low hanging fruit. Um, in general, I think the definition of low hanging fruit is still debatable but at the end of the day it's we've gone through all the simple things that are in front of our eyes now we have to spend some more effort to understand how do we get to that and what can we do uh, to keep the program alive or to make sure that we are driving it you know my my two cents in that always is if you're looking at just for cost chances are mm-hmm. you're looking doing it for the wrong reasons but even if you are then what what should you be doing one of the things is expanding a, your greenbelt program to a much wider scale so now you're tackling a lot of the little, little, little things that can make uh, still bubble up and make a significant impact to the bottom line. Uh, the other suggestions were uh, expand to other pieces of the business, uh, which I think is very, very critical and easy. Uh, implementing a design for Six Sigma model. So now the new processes that you have to create, um, you're trying to set it up the right way the first time. So um, these are some of the suggestions uh, that this author had on this topic. All right. Thank you very much, Jacob. All right, Aaron. Have a good one. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to episode 175 of the E-Success Method podcast. Stay tuned for episode 176, Are You Climbing Up?, where Aaron analyzes salary trends in the Lean Six Sigma industry and normalizes his own salary history against the changes in cost of living. Don't forget to click like or dislike for this episode in the show notes. Tap click done. If you have a question, comment, or advice, leave a note in the comment section or contact us directly. Feel free to email me, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at esuccess-methods.com or on our website. We reply to all messages. If you heard something you like, then share it with a friend or leave a review. Didn't like what you heard? Join our LinkedIn group and tell us why. Don't forget you can find notes and graphics for all shows and more at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success. If you're not climbing up, you're falling down.